This is DW News live from Berlin. Tonight, a military escalation in the crisis over Ukraine. The Pentagon sending 3,000 troops to beef up the American presence in Europe. Russia denouncing that deployment as destructive, saying it will only increase tensions. Also coming up, Whoopi Goldberg taken off air over a Holocaust comment. A U.S. superstar saying Nazi persecution of the Jews was not about race. Now the Memorial Center wants her to come along and find out the truth. And the fanfare begins. The Winter Olympic torch relay completes its first day, but with human rights abuses and the coronavirus pandemic in the spotlight, we ask whether the actual sport risks becoming a sideshow. I'm Brent Goff to our viewers watching on PBS in the United States and to all of you around the world. It's good to have you with us this Wednesday. It is a military escalation in the crisis over Ukraine. Today, U.S. President Joe Biden saying that he is sending 3,000 troops to strengthen the American presence in Eastern Europe and to reassure NATO allies of America's commitment to collective defense. The Pentagon emphasizing it is not sending troops to Ukraine but adding today's announcement is meant to deter Russian President Vladimir Putin from invading the country. The Kremlin has already denounced the move, calling it destructive, saying that it is likely only going to increase tensions. Another day, another increase in tension over Ukraine. The U.S. is sending 2,000 soldiers to Poland and Germany, while another thousand move from Germany to Romania. The current situation demands that we reinforce the deterrent and defensive posture on NATO's eastern flank. President Biden has been clear that the United States will respond to the growing threat to Europe's security and stability. Our commitment to NATO, Article 5, and collective defense remains ironclad. The Pentagon made it clear that no U.S. soldiers will fight in Ukraine. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said diplomacy comes first, but no options are off the table. We only think about peace. We only think about the return of our occupied territories and only through diplomacy. We will not give up a single piece of our land today. We will not give up our territories, no matter what the price. Despite Zelensky's reassurances, others are preparing to do battle if it comes to a fight. The Klitschko boxing brothers, one now the mayor of Kiev, both signed up for the army. We are not weak. And any aggressor have to understand if they do it activity, aggressive activity against Ukraine, you have to pay huge price for that. We're ready to fight. Leaked documents confirmed by the Pentagon reveal the backroom diplomatic efforts to avoid war. The U.S. offered Russia access to inspect key military sites in return for a de-escalation. Russia says it has no intention to invade Ukraine. But these pictures released by Russia's defense ministry showing joint combat drills with Belarus send a clear message. Russia is not backing down. All right, we've got team coverage of this development tonight. I want to bring in our very own Oliver Sallet. He's in Washington. 
And Nick Connolly is covering events for us in Kyiv in Ukraine. To you both, it's good to see you. Oliver, let me start with you. Why this deployment now? I mean, has the security situation changed or are we talking about purely symbolic moves here? Yeah, it's a bit of both, Brent, really. The Pentagon spokesperson, uh, John Kirby, earlier said that it's a response to that Russian troop build-up that we're seeing. Uh, we saw satellite pictures earlier today um, showing that uh, Russia continues to add forces to Belarus and, of course, to that uh, border region between Russia and the Ukraine. And that's a concern, of course, for the United States, for its NATO allies as well, and that is met now with a troop build-up of the United States, but, of course, in a very much smaller scale. And therefore, yes, in part, it's also a symbolic move, given that 60,000 U.S. troops are already stationed in Europe, mm. 100,000 Russian soldiers on the other side of the border and 3,000 U.S. troops. It's really not big of a number that we're seeing here um, uh, sent and deployed by the United States. And Nick, the Pentagon spokesman today made it clear that the U.S. is not sending any additional troops to Ukraine. So what does today's announcement mean then for the situation on the ground there? Well, I think it just shows to Ukrainians once again what the value of NATO membership is. Um, the numbers in Ukraine for NATO membership were not particularly high before Russia annexed Crimea back in 2018, started that separatist campaign in the east. And U Ukraine basically has been convinced by Vladimir Putin over the last eight years that this is an alliance worth being in and that it makes a difference being outside um, the bloc. Um, I think the Ukrainians have been happy to see US deliveries of ammunition, of weapon system, those javelin anti-tank missiles in recent weeks from the US, also from the UK. But beyond that, the Ukrainians are now very clear that apart from weapons and cash, they're on their own. And you know, in the short term and medium term, they'll have to uh, stand up to Russia on their own without boots on the ground from the US or other Western allies. And you know, all they can do at this point is hope that this passes for now and that at some point uh, mm. Russia will uh, be distracted and they will be able to join NATO or some other alliance that puts them in a more comfortable position. And Oliver, as it stands right now, we know that 8,500 troops are on high alert in the U.S. for a possible deployment. Now we've got 3,000 that we know are going to Eastern Europe. Do we know exactly how long they're going to be stationed there? Well, the official take is it's just a temporary deployment. Of course, we don't know for how long because what the U.S. Uh, eventually wants to reach is an agreement following the diplomatic effort that we've been seeing over the last weeks. But, of course, that implies that Putin de-escalates, that he changes course, that he drops his maximum demands that we've heard, uh, and that are, of course, uh, Russia wants to ban the Ukraine from joining NATO, something that NATO won't accept. So we are really very much in a stalemate here right now, and it doesn't look like uh, things are getting clearer uh, as we speak. Uh, we're looking at that Russian troop uh, build up. So it's rather likely that we are seeing uh, the tensions um, getting more severe before we see any kind of de-escalation. Oliver Salat reporting tonight from Washington. Nick Connolly with the latest from Kiev. To both of you, gentlemen, thank you. And we want to take this story now to Poland. I'm joined now by Radoslaw Fogiel. He's a member of the Polish parliament for the Governing Law and Justice Party. He joins me tonight from Warsaw. It's good to have you on the program. Let's just talk about numbers for a moment here. A thousand troops going to Poland from the United States. Is that just a drop in the bucket for you? 
Uh, good evening. It's a pleasure to uh, to be with you. Now, it's not uh, it's not a drop. It's um, extremely important from uh, our point of view, from the point of view of um, our uh, Central European allies. Uh, it shows the unity and strength of NATO. The strengthening of uh, Eastern flank in this situation is extremely important. Uh, we have uh, diplomatic talks. Uh, uh, on one side, but on the other side, the ability, the deterrence ability of um, uh, of Western allies is uh, extremely, extremely important. The U.S. says that these troops will not be going to fight in Ukraine. Uh, but in your opinion, is this the right time to be sending troops to to Eastern Europe? I mean, there there is the possibility that that these moves could escalate instead of stabilize or de-escalate. Do you agree? I don't agree at all. Uh, and I would say there is uh, no better time than uh, right now uh, for for uh, strengthening American presence on uh, on the ground here uh, in, uh, in Europe, because we cannot uh, let us being taken hostage by the uh, Russians by by Putin's uh, propaganda and and Putin's uh, aggressive uh, policy. We have to show our strength. We have to show our decisiveness, and uh, we cannot, as the West, as the Alliance, we cannot be uh, backing off all the uh, time. The NATO policy of open doors is something that all uh, Alliance members agree on. And uh, we have to send a very clear message to the Kremlin that uh, Ukraine's right to determine, determine its future, to uh, have its territory uh, complete and, and uh, free from any aggression is, is the key to proper mm. relationships, the relationships between Russia and, and the West. And we know, Mr. Fogel, that Russia does not see it that way. We have the illegal annexation of Crimea as one example to prove that. I know your, your country shares a border with Ukraine. How big is the concern or the fear that if Russia were to invade Ukraine, that that military conflict could then spill over into Poland? Uh, we share a border not only with uh, Ukraine, but uh, with Russia itself as well. But most importantly, we share uh, hundreds of years of history with uh, Russia in its uh, different uh, forms. So we can we can talk uh, from our experience that uh, this uh, imperialistic politics uh, will be followed by by uh, Russian government. Uh, till it uh, it stops, uh, it, till it is stopped by uh, by a very strong Western response. Uh, we all hoped for de-escalation, but uh, a show of strength and uh, the ability to uh, to respond is also extremely important when it comes to uh, to the de-escalation possibilities. Uh, I still hope. Uh, that uh, this is just a power play from uh, from Vladimir Putin, and that he won't um, uh, he won't attack Ukraine. But in this case, um, in this case, 
Well, I don't, uh, I don't uh, think uh, Poland would be threatened um, directly, but uh, our concerns, uh, the concerns of all the Baltic states, uh, are uh, real because yes. uh, it may seem very different from uh, Paris, Berlin, or Washington perspective. But uh, right here, um, on uh, on this part, in this part of Europe, the uh, the, the, the Russian threat is uh, is real. Yeah, and that's why it's very important that we hear views coming from countries such as Poland. Radoslav Fogiel, member of the Polish Parliament for the Governing Law and Justice Party. Mr. Fogiel, we appreciate your time and your insights tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, here's a roundup now of some of the other stories that are making headlines around the world. The European Commission has given the green light for some nuclear energy and natural gas investments to be labeled as green and sustainable. Officials say private investment can contribute to fighting climate change, but critics warn the legislation jeopardizes the target of achieving carbon neutrality by the year 2050. Austria says it's considering a legal challenge to the rule. Germany and the United States have rejected the word apartheid in connection with Israel. Amnesty International published a report this week accusing Israel of practicing segregation, dispossession, and exclusion against Palestinians. Amnesty says its findings are based on the seizure of Palestinian land and the forcible transfer of people. Israel has rejected the findings. Amnesty was a respected organization. Whoopi Goldberg has been suspended from the U.S. talk show The View for her remarks about the Holocaust. Goldberg said the Nazi persecution of the Jews was not about race, and that set off a storm of outrage. Goldberg later apologized. She has now been suspended from the show for two weeks. In her on-air comments, Whoopi Goldberg claimed that the Holocaust was not motivated by racism because it involved, as she said, two groups of white people. Following the backlash, Goldberg took to social media to apologize for her comments and correct the statement she made on air. She tweeted, On today's show, I said the Holocaust is not about race, but about man's inhumanity to man. I should have said it is about both. The Jewish people around the world have always had my support, and that will never waver. I'm sorry for the hurt I've caused. Critics of Goldberg's comments said she was uninformed about the ideology behind the Holocaust, and that her comments played down the dangers of anti-Semitism. The director of the Yad Vashem Memorial in Israel invited her to visit in order to educate herself better. Ms. Goldberg display in her words a fundamental lack of understanding, probably also of knowledge, about what is anti-Semitism in general and the Holocaust in particular. Nazi Germany, Hitler persecuted, annihilated the Jews because they saw us as an inferior, dangerous race. Whether we are a race or not, that's irrelevant. They saw us as a race that was racist persecution. Other observers such as the president of the Center for Civil and Human Rights in Atlanta, Georgia, said they thought they understood the intentions behind the actor's statement. But I think what she's trying to say is that the Holocaust is about hatred. It's about inhumanity. It's about what human beings will do to one another that is inhumane. Um, perhaps she was also thinking that Jews aren't a race, because they're not. Jews are a religion. ABC, the broadcaster that airs The View, said that suspending Goldberg was intended to give her time to reflect on her comments. 
Goldberg has not yet spoken publicly about the suspension. All right, for more on this controversy, I'm joined now by Katie Halper. She's a Jewish-American political commentator. She's host of the podcast, The Katie Halper Show. Katie, it's good to have you with us tonight. Oh, boy, we've got a lot to talk about here. Um, what yeah. about this, this conflation of, of race and religion? And is, is this just a case of, of Whoopi Goldberg not being well-educated and understanding that there's a difference between the two? Yes, this is, I think, precisely that. I mean, I think she is coming at this from a very American, uh, Americentric uh, perspective. The problem is that this is a discussion about the Holocaust. And um, while I think what Whoopi Goldberg is also responding to is the fact that she, as a black woman, uh, travels through the world in a different way than people who are, let's say, Jews travel through the world, um, and that's a valid point. You know, there's the question of how recognizable someone's ethnicity or race is. But I think she is really just uh, what, well, what how, was strange to me was that in her. Tr Sorry, let me just ask you, Katie, how is it valid, though? Because um, it, it see, she said that this was not racism because she was talking about two groups of white people. I mean, that, you know, that suggests a lot of things that whites can't be victims of racism, for example, or that um, because of her experiences in the U.S., her definition of racism right. is only whites against blacks. Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's a presentist uh, definition of racism, and it's also a very, again, uh, based in the United States. And I think what's dangerous is that there's this kind of zero-sum game, and we can hold multiple ideas in our heads at the same time. We can acknowledge that white Jews have white privilege, um, and also that anti-Semitism is based on a racialized belief system, which sees Jews as an inferior race. And, uh, you know, thank God for small favors. Uh, Whoopi and I would be in the same boat, so to speak, uh, under Nazism. She as a black woman, I as a Jewish woman. Um, and I don't think we can afford to have this kind of zero-sum game uh, analysis of, of racism, anti-Semitism, and kind of hatred. And of course, what's interesting know, is shouldn't that... She, shouldn't she yeah. know better, though? I mean, she is on a, a talk show that is seen by millions and millions of people every day. I mean, when Whoopi talks, people listen. I mean, shouldn't she just... Shouldn't we expect, even in America's, you know, cult of celebrity, shouldn't we expect people like Whoopi Goldberg to be smarter and better educated? Well, I was surprised, again, her apology uh, in her tweet was much more, I think, was much better than what she said on the Colbert Report, which was her kind of apology, which was a non-apology. She basically said, I learned my lesson to not say stuff like this anymore, which is not a, it's kind of a passive-aggressive apology. She, she wasn't changing her mind. Mm -hmm. She wasn't seeing it in a different way. She was saying, I learned not to put my foot in my mouth by saying this stuff. So that was actually, I think, really frustrating. And she, uh, ironically, kind of contradicted the written uh, tweet that she had put out, which acknowledged. And I, I mean, I have to say, I didn't think this was up for debate that the Nazis saw Jews as a different race. Correct. And I think, again, she's just seeing it as, well, it's not the, the racial difference between Jews and non-Jews isn't as big as the one between black people and white people. And I think what's ironic is she doesn't even realize that she's actually buying into the idea of race because race is supposed to be a social construct. But she's yeah. kind of accepting the fact that there are an eight differences between white people and black people, and there are not an eight differences between Jews and non-Jews. Right. right. Well, that, that's, that's my point, though. I mean, shouldn't we expect those people who have such a big platform um, to know better? Yeah, I mean, I don't know who spoke to her. She needs to speak to someone who's a, 
uh, breaks it down on a better level. I actually had this amazing woman, Brianna Joy Gray, was on my show the other night on the Katie Helper show, and she actually said that she would love to ask Whoopi Goldberg, do you think that Jews, uh, she, she kind of assumes that Whoopi thinks it's all about religion. Now, to be clear, my family who died in the Holocaust, they were atheists, so it doesn't matter. But right. Brianna Joy Gray said, do you think, she would have said to Whoopi Goldberg, do you think if Jews said, okay, I'm going to give up my religion, I'm not going to be religious anymore, that Hitler would have stopped and been like, okay, you're in, you're in, you're mm-hmm. safe? And if not, what does that say about how they saw Jews? Clearly, they mm-hmm. did see them as a racialized other. I, I know on your podcast, you, you say that Goldberg was stupid for saying what she, she said, um, but I think you said she shouldn't have been suspended. Why is that? I mean, I think that suspending people, I just think it looks, it gives, it's a kind of a bad look overall, all around. Um, I, I honestly think that it, it shows a double standard. You're allowed to say really offensive things and outright hateful things about people. But if you say something that's kind of uh, clumsy or ill-informed or shows that you haven't really delved into this enough, that, uh, and it's about Jewish issues, then you're not allowed to fumble. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't love that because I think it also creates honestly this idea that you know that there are certain issues that you get in trouble for for talking about and I don't think that that's a good thing to have in the ecosystem either. You know, Sharon Osbourne used to be on the same talk show with Whoopi and and she was fired last year. Um, I think it was last year when she um, supported a comment that was made by Piers Morgan about Meghan Markle. I mean, we've, we've been hearing a lot of people saying that there are double standards here, that Sharon Osbourne, she was fired for saying something that was considered to be support of a racist remark. But Whoopi Goldberg has only been suspended for two weeks. Uh, do you see a double standard there? Well, I don't think she, she didn't say what she said was ignorant more than I don't think it was anti-Semitic. I don't even think what the irony is that the biggest anti-Semites, the irony is the biggest anti-Semites understand that Jews were seen as another race because they actually believe that. So I don't think yeah. she the most she I think you can accuse her of is being insensitive and downplaying the kind of historical specificity of of her perspective and how she's basing it on the United States, her own experience and what we live today. But, you know, she's the other thing is that she was making the point that books like Mouse, which are now they're trying to ban it, which That's is a right. graphic yeah. uh, novel or graphic biography about Art Spiegelman and his parents yeah. uh, who were Holocaust survivors. His That's parents right. were. Her point was that this should be taught. So, you know, she's coming from a good place. She's not a Holocaust denier. She's not denying that it happened. She's not denying the horrors of the Holocaust. She's just being a little uh, dense, I would say, when it comes to well, understanding how Nazis saw the Jews and how anti-Semites see Jews today. She's got two weeks off. Should she take the invitation from Yad Vashem and travel there and educate herself? Yes, I think that that would be a good idea. Yeah. I hope, of course, while she's there, I'm going to get in trouble now for saying this, but she should also look into Israel's treatments of the Palestinians. Yep. Because if you care about uh, persecution, then we have to make sure that we are, and I as a Jew always try to do this, call out Israel for it's uh, crimes against humanity, which it should not be engaging in. Katie Halper, Jewish American political commentator, host of the podcast, The Katie Halper Show. Katie, thanks for talking with and us. And YouTube back, show, also on YouTube. Okay, on YouTube as well. Yeah, come back and talk with us again. Thank you. Great, thanks so much. All right. Well, even before Friday's official opening, the Beijing Winter Olympics, 
are already mired in controversy. Concerns about human rights abuses and the high number of coronavirus cases threatened to overshadow the games. The Olympic torch relay has completed its first circuit with more than 500 bears carrying the flame through the Chinese capital. Almost 3,000 athletes will be competing for glory, but some are worried the competitions themselves are at risk of becoming a sideshow. Billions have been invested into making sure Beijing 2022 is successful. Sports fans can enjoy over 100 events across a range of disciplines. But the build-up to these games has been about so much more than sports. Politics, for instance. Some nations have declared a diplomatic boycott over human rights issues, including the US and Great Britain. They will send competitors, but no ministers or officials. Environmental concerns have also been raised, with organizers reportedly spraying more than a million cubic meters of artificial snow onto competition sites. China has been criticized over the impact of this process. Meanwhile, organizers have threatened athletes with punishments for any behavior or expression that they deem to be in breach of Chinese law, and will expect the IOC to rigorously enforce its own rules limiting protests. In the Olympic Charter, there are very strict rules. So for the medal ceremonies and during the competitions, they cannot express their opinions. But at other occasions, like at press conferences or during interviews, the athletes are free to express their opinions. But they need to be responsible for what they say. Due to COVID, athletes and journalists will be kept in secure bubbles, while no spectator tickets will be sold to the public. Organizers say health and safety are paramount. Of course, COVID countermeasures are still on top of our agenda. We have been taking effective measures and everything is under control. Without a safe games, there would be no games. So we will make sure that the health and safety of all participants is our top priority. More than 30 new COVID cases were reported to Olympic authorities on Wednesday alone. And as many feared, athletes are seeing their preparation disrupted by tight quarantining rules. After coming into contact with someone who tested positive last week, Belgian skeleton racer Kim Melemans has shared the distress this has caused her on social media. Some of you have read the good news that I was uh, sent out of the isolation facility. We thought this meant I was allowed to return to the Olympic Village and will be treated maximum as a close contact. Um, on the way to the village, uh, we did not turn to the village, but the ambulance went to another facility where I am now. The IOC has since promised to return Melamans to the Olympic Village, but such distressing episodes could have consequences on performances. As expected, the pandemic is proving to be one of many headaches for organisers of Beijing.
most parts of the world are at least for, for one month a year are experiencing some water stress. There's plenty of seawater, but desalination is energy intensive and expensive. A Berlin-based startup shows us it doesn't have to be this way. Global 3000. In 60 minutes on DW. One of mankind's oldest ambitions could be within reach. What if it really is possible to reverse aging? Researchers and scientists all over the world are in a race against time. The DNA molecule, though, has 28 million different hourglasses. They are peers and rivals, with one daring goal to outsmart nature. For a longer, healthier, and fuller life. One of the most insightful discoveries in the history of mankind. Down the hatch. <laughs> More Life starts February 16th on DW.